Hi, this is Stephen Ambrose, Senior Pastor at Wapak Naz. I want to welcome you to the Wapak Naz podcast. We hope and pray that this message goes deep into your DNA, is encouraging, relevant to your life, a means for you to engage with God and experience His love, and moves you to impact your world. We at Wapak Naz believe firmly that you matter to God. We are glad that you are taking the risk to engage with Him today. Wapak Naz is love people loving people to Jesus, and it takes people to partner with us to be on mission and bring this message to our community, the region, and the world. If you would like to financially partner with Wapak Naz to love people to Jesus, join us by going to our website at wapaknaz.org and becoming a financial partner. We thank you, we pray for you, we love you, and enjoy the message. I don't know, spirit of the living God. I'm not praying that, or playing that. talk okay all right I'll, I'll talk um, you know these are moments that we just, just we just pray and we just bow our hearts and our, our minds so I would just challenge you to look into your heart right now and let God show you something about your heart so you just ask him to reveal your heart to him and to you Bow your heads, please. song is very simple fall fresh on me spirit of the living God spirit of the living God Scripture says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. We hold firmly to that promise here. That if you just open your heart and you're intentional, seeking God first, he will draw into you and where you are in your life.
Scripture says that he got into a boat and his disciples followed him. Without warning, a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. He replied, You little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, What kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. He's the Lord of all creation, and Jesus truly spans the distance with our fear and peace. He's in the middle of it. When Peter was in the boat with his other friends and they were in the middle of the lake and Jesus was walking on the lake and they weren't really sure who he was and what this was they thought he was a ghost and Jesus said do not be afraid take courage do not be afraid it is I your courage and your peace he's in the middle of that that's how we get from, from fear to courage and peace is Jesus expands it right in the middle of it. And when you step out in faith, knowing that He is Lord of all, and knowing you're not Lord of anything, you'll actually begin to do things that you've never done in your entire life. You might even walk on water like Peter did. So I don't know where you are. You just had a moment with the Spirit. You just be obedient with that. Sometimes you just don't don't even know what to do. You just read Scripture, you praise, and you pray. I don't know where you are today. I don't know what's going on in your life. But Jesus literally moves us from where we are into peace and courage. Some of you may need courage right now to step into some things that you you need to step into. Use that distance. I encourage you to go to him. Well, the Grand Aventura de Peru. Um, what a a blessing um, that we had to to be with. Uh, new friends um, and meet new people uh, from from literally the Amazon all the way through the Andes uh, and uh, the the country in and of itself was very unique and beautiful um, it was just gorgeous almost anywhere you went um, you just turned around it was green luscious there was rivers, there were mountains. You were just really overwhelmed. At some point, we honestly felt like we were in the Smokies right there. Uh, it just seemed just so serene and beautiful. And um, the rice, rice fields, I was very surprised that there were rice fields in Peru. Um, but rice fields, 
And uh, it was just a wonderful, wonderful country uh, with beautiful food. Um, I only got sick once, and it wasn't because of the food. That's pretty amazing. Um, and usually I get sick at least once, if not twice. It's not a trip with me if you don't get sick. Um, and uh, we also had some wonderful experiences of, uh, um, we were in our motor, motor or in our car, um, heading to the seminary, and our driver spotted the snake behind us, and I spotted it too. So he backs his car up in order to try to hit it, and he missed it. And then a motor uh, taxi comes running through the other side of the road, runs over the snake. They stop their motor taxi, get out, and they run after the snake with their machetes. <laughs> so the experiences were wide and deep, if you should say. <laughs> um, but uh, and, and, and our adventure went all the way to Iquitos to... Um, where we were led by Larry Garman, we'll, we'll talk about him shor here shortly, to on our way out where we ended up in Chickalau. And my wife has been <coughs> doing Duolingo for the last like three years, consistently, daily almost, literally almost daily, uh, for a half hour a day. And we were in Chickalau and about ready to fly. Do what? Okay, five minutes. I'm giving you a little bit more credit. Just go, yeah, uh-huh. And so we, we had an opportunity in Chickalau. We, we wa she wanted to go to the supermarket. And, and uh, our friend Paul Jetter, who uh, we've been on several trips with in Cuba and uh, Yellowstone, and it was her old boss, he said, you know, I really don't want to go, but I don't think you should go either because probably we don't want you to get lost. The flight's coming up. And so... My wife was a little disappointed, and I was like, well, okay, let's go. So we put her Spanish skills to work, and we actually asked for directions in Spanish, and we understood them-ish, um, and then we got to the we super... We got to where we were going, so... We got to where <laughs> we, we were going, understood them. and so I took a picture of this sign because I didn't want to forget where we turned... And so I could show the taxi guy this road, <laughs> just in case. We did not take a taxi. We walked there. We walked and we there. we made it, and we paid and everything, and we made it back. We didn't speak a single word of English, so we did very, very good. So that was the Gran Aventura of Chicalau, which was pretty amazing. And uh, so Peru was a very interesting trip for us. And quite frankly, it was probably one of our favorite trips that we've been on thus far, um, missionary-wise. And uh, when, very often, when you see two Americanos, two, uh, and they ask the question, como se llamas? Well, many of you probably already know what that, that question is. What is your name? Me llamo Esteban. And Me llamo Ame. However, there's a follow-up question. And I don't even know how to pronounce it, so go ahead. <laughs> so everywhere we went, they would ask us this next question, which is, ¿Tienes unos hijos? And they were asking us, do you have any children? So uh, we would <laughs> respond with our typical answer that we respond in America. We have a cat, right? <laughs> Un gato. And we knew the word gato for a cat. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, we, we actually, we, we wanted to make an announcement to you. We actually adopted 
while we were away. A sloth. <laughs> I was waiting for you to go, oh, and then I hit it with you. There it goes. Timing, timing. This is our sloth, Ozo Perezoso. We went to a rescue mission, and we took a family picture, and, uh, and then I decided, you know what? I want a kid of my own that looks and resembles me a little bit more than the sloth resembles my wife, and I got a caiman. So, um, so when everybody started asking us that we would n now meet, do you have any kids? <laughs> We'd pull out the phone. Pull out the phone and showed him our child. Here, so here's our kid. really well. And then I kept saying, it resembles her more than me. <laughs> so, um, and uh, wow, what an adventure. And um, so for the most part of today, there are a lot of stories that we could tell you. And we really don't want to just tell you stories to tell you stories. Um, but we want to tell you stories that are impactful and meaningful that actually show the movement of God, whether through the local church here in the states and essentially all around the world uh, and also the movement of God but beyond that you as a listener right now um, we're hoping that you're not just a listener that you're a participant in the movement of God where you are so there's some practical meaningful boots on the ground types of things that we learned and we'll try to bring those out for you so that you can kind of understand that. Because not everyone, not everyone is called to go away. They're not. Otherwise, the whole world would be going somewhere else. Right? But everyone's called. Everyone's called. If you are in here, you have, you, and you're a human being, you're called. Unless you're a sloth or a caiman, you're called, okay? So, um, we were in Iquitos. This is a picture in Iquitos um, where essentially two rivers come together to form the Amazon. And we're walking out to this beautiful boat. Um, and if you can, hopefully you can read on the side of it. It says Nazareno, which means Nazarene. We're not a cult, by the way. Um, as some would say, but it says Nazareno. This boat was purchased along with four to five other boats um, through what we call Jesus Film money. Jesus Film, if you're not familiar with the church very well, there's this thing called Jesus Film, and it's, it's produced in, in all, many, many languages. And essentially they have backpacks where they're able to go way deep into whatever jungle or woods or forest or to remote folks and they're able to show the Jesus film which follows the book of Luke. I actually had the privilege of watching the Jesus film in China uh, with a, a roommate and some Chinese students in Shanghai all in Chinese and so the Nazarene Church of the Nazarene has used some of this Jesus film money to purchase about four to five of these Nazarene boats so that they can go up and down these rivers, particularly the Amazon, to remote places to bring the gospel. But the other aspect of this is that money's hard to come by, and one of the things that, that is not hard to come by is transportation, whether it's a motor taxi or a boat. 
And so they use this boat to transport people up and down the river when it's not going to the backwoods and to the jungles to bring the gospel so that they can generate funds for the church that's on the local level. And uh, so we went to Gabrielle Island, and in the picture you see uh, in the blue shirt, the bright blue shirt, that's Larry Garman. I'll talk about him a little bit. And Rosa in the middle, and uh, Freddie. Uh, Freddie is the district superintendent in Iquitos. And his wife, Rosa, comes to Gabrielle Island once a week. And Gabrielle Island is only accessible by boat. Um, and as you can see, and feel free to jump in anywhere you want to. I talk a lot. Um, as you can see, those houses are built on stilts. So if you've been down to Mississippi or Alabama, right along the coast, there's a lot of houses right on the coast that are built on stilts, even up on the, the eastern coast. These houses are built on stilts, not for hurricanes, but for the rains from June, January to June. It gets, literally, it gets flooded, and so the church itself is up on stilts. Um, and Rosa comes out once a week to minister to these wonderful kids. There's about 60 to 80 children on this island. And uh, she, she runs a, a Sunday school and, and a Bible school with them weekly makes that track this gentleman um, this gentleman was our boat guide uh, he drove our boat his name is Mateo uh, Mateo means Matthew book of Matthew right Mateo and uh, Mateo speaks zero English and Mateo is from the tribe of Bora the Bora tribe and from the village of Raphael Raphael was the tribal leader in his village, so the village was named after Raphael, and uh, Mateo and his daughter uh, Ciela. Is that Ciela? Cielo. Cielo. That what? Means heaven. <laughs> Her Cielo. name was Heaven. She was four years old, and she was packed full of energy, and she was hanging out with Amy and I in the boat. Mateo was sharing his story. What we understood about Mateo was that he didn't. He had heard about Jesus a lot. And the tribal leader kind of takes care of the tribe. So you do what the tribal leader tells you in terms of what you believe. But he kept hearing about Jesus and, and who Jesus is and w what Jesus can do. And so Mateo did not want to come to Jesus ever um, because he needed something from Jesus. He didn't want to come to Jesus because he needed some healing or because he wanted Jesus to give him something to prosper. He just wanted to come to Jesus for Jesus. And one day he came to Jesus. Well, once he came to Christ, obviously four years ago he came to Christ, he named his daughter Heaven because Heaven came into his life. And Jesus transformed this man. But even once he came to Christ, his wife got really sick two different times. And his prayer was very simple. His prayer was, God, I don't ask you for much. I don't ask you for prosperity. I don't ask you for things. But what I ask you is you heal my wife. 
twice. God healed his wife. Now, I know he doesn't heal everybody. I think we're pretty smart enough to understand that he doesn't heal everybody and the way we want him to heal them. But what God did in Mateo's life in healing his wife, he just started going from village to village to village to village, walking with his boat. He would just go and spread the gospel of Jesus Christ and what God has done in his life. His village spoke with the tribal leader and the tribal leader came to Christ and we are having this conversation here um, we are having a conversation right here outside of the church and Larry looked over to me and said did you understand what he said and I looked at Larry and I said absolutely not but what I understood was the man's passion even though I couldn't understand a single word the man said, I can understand the man's passion. And uh, after this conversation, Mateo just broke out in song. He broke out in this hymn that he actually wrote himself and was singing it to us. Um, this man is a man of passion. God radically changed his life. And he believed firmly that he had to go and share that gospel with whomever he had contact with. Um, what a beautiful, beautiful moment. Um, and I mentioned this a couple weeks ago, and I'll, I'll bring this back up. After this conversation, Larry, Larry looked at me and, and said, don't ever lose your passion. If you lose your passion, you lose everything. You lose your purpose. You lose your meaning. Don't lose your passion. And he kind of scalded the Western church a little bit. He said, the Western church has lost its passion. I'm praying that we, as a, as a small church on the corner of Court and Denton, we've lost the passion that we ask God to get it back and then gives it back to us. And those that have it, it just ignites. Um, and so, hey, I'm talking a lot. That's okay, you don't like to talk a lot, do you? Um, so, day one, after about 36 hours of traveling and no sleep, we hit the ground running. And this was our first church that we, we actually uh, came to. And as you can see, they don't have orange carpet. But what they also don't have are walls. <laughs> they have two walls <laughs> and a bunch of platforms that um, you actually have to get on a plank to walk over to get to the church. Um, and this is another church that literally floods between January through June. And uh, the second church that we hit is right here, uh, not far from the first church. Excuse me. Yeah, go ahead. So uh, a lot of times when we go on trips like this, um, we'll have maybe uh, individuals will give us some funds and just say, look for somebody with an opportunity to go ahead and, um, and bless. Or, And so um, we were getting ready to go 
on the trip and we were over at district assembly and um, I, I had mentioned to an individual that, hey, we're getting ready to leave for Peru here in another week. And um, immediately that person by the end of the service um, handed some cash and said, look for somebody to invest this in. And um, so we were looking, we knew that that was there and we knew how much it was. And uh, we just were praying and asking the Lord to show us that right individual um, to use the funds for. And it came up pretty quickly. It was probably our second day in, and uh, okay, the first day in, and um, we had visited this church and um, got a chance to, to meet the pastor's wife and the pastor's family and uh, their daughter. And um, I had taken um, a, a lot of like Spanish kids' Bibles with me and tried to make little children's ministry packs to give to the churches so that they could use some of those resources for their just teaching their kids. And so um, handed it out to them, and, and we had some Spanish CDs, kids' music that we took as well um, that they could use with some fun songs that they could do with the kiddos. And um, later on that night, uh, we found out that the pastor and his wife had come to our hotel, and uh, that was the night that Stephen was sick. So he was out, and so I was out pretty much. And, uh, but we found out the next morning at breakfast that they had come and just were completely distraught because she was um, dealing with a medical issue and she needed some medication. And so immediately we're, we were like, well, how much is the medication that she needs? And they mentioned it was around $50 and that was exactly the amount of money that the individual had given to us. And we're like, we've got the funds for it. We'll go ahead and um, give that. and. And uh, Larry said, well, let's go buy it ourselves. And so we went to the pharmacy and had a chance to buy the medicine. And then later on in the evening, there was a service. And uh, we were able to, um, to bless uh, the, the pastor so that he could take that home to his wife. And, um, you know, it's just, it's such a blessing, but also just always looking for those opportunities. And um, the individual that gave those funds, they didn't know how it was going to be used, um, but the Lord just already knew where that was going to go to, to impact that pastor and his wife. And one thing that my wife was had shared with me in this was that it was it was the simple fact that someone was back home here in the States was living intentionally and looking for opportunity. And then while we were there, it was living intentionally and looking for opportunity. It, you, you can't program that. That's a choice that, that we as individuals have to make. The church can't organize that as a program. Living intentionally, looking for opportunity. You can't organize that as a program. That is something that happens in your life and that you begin to choose. And so living intentionally, looking for opportunity, this man... Larry Garman, he lived intentionally his whole life. Larry Garman, uh, just a little tidbit for him. He was a chiropractor by trade. So he was a doctor. And he and his wife, Addie, um, were called to missions. And for at least 45 years, they lived in Peru. Um, lit, looking, living intentionally, looking for opportunity to spread the gospel. They had four kids, and those four kids were raised in the bush. And uh, 
Larry is not a pastor. So watch out for you non-pastors in the room. He wasn't a pastor. He was a layperson. He's never ordained. He only went to medical school and got some training, and then he went out in the bush. And for 45 years, um, he and his wife served in Peru. And uh, this man and his wife served uh, two tribes, uh, Wambisas and Aguranas tribes, some very remote tribes up in the Amazon, uh, Amazonas region. And uh, he continues to go out, even in his retirement. So he's living in, in L.A., Pasadena area. Continues to use his retirement to go back to Peru and meet with folks. Um, and uh, he lost his wife several years ago, lost a son several years ago to a tragic accident as well. Um, but they have given their life. And he's a man, he's 85 years old. And... Uh, He's a man of movement. I've never, Grandpa, wherever you are, he's faster than you. I never thought there would be an older man faster than you. But this guy doesn't waste his time. He just goes. And you have to catch up with him. At 85 years old, he just, he just goes. And uh, so um, you don't know necessarily what you're going to get into um, one afternoon we were waiting for dinner it was two hours before dinner and he we had just after a very long day we had just arrived at the hotel and he looks at amy and i and said do you want to go uh go to the market you want to go look around sure aren't you tired so we we go to the market and we we came out of the market and it was it was on these these are stairs heading down to the floating city and the floating city is Berlin which means Bethlehem and uh, it was here that hey guys welcome it was here. yeah yay you're back that's amazing okay thank you. <laughs> I need a medical degree for that. Uh, but it was here. He said, I know it's weird. But I feel like this is where I belong. These are my people. This is my place. And uh, he literally was saying this as we headed down to this. He said, these are my people. I love my people. This is where I belong. And uh, and you never know what you're going to get into with Larry. In one day, he had two child dedications. Uh, the one on the right, the lady walked um, a day, made a special trip and walked a day, hoping that Larry Garman would be at the Nazarene camp at the seminary. And um, Larry looked at me and said, I wasn't planning on doing any child dedications, but I so happened to have just two child certificates. And that little one on the right-hand side, her name is Addie. She was named after Larry's wife because Larry and Addie invested themselves into the lives of people. And so as we 
come to the Nazarene. This is New Horizons. Uh, this is the seminary that actually did not exist before Larry Garman and Addie Garman's work. This seminary started as a result of their work in Peru and where, where pastors are trained. And in the video, you saw the warrior. The warrior was not speaking Spanish, but he was speaking a tribal tongue. Um, when we were in service, we had been in services where they had translated from one language to English, but we had never been in a service where they translated from one language to another language and then getting interpreted over here by another person. It was a very interesting experience because they actually have, in those tribes, primarily the women cannot and do not understand Spanish. They still only understand the tribal tongue. So the preacher was preaching in Spanish, and then they would translate through the tribal tongue, and then, then uh, Paul would translate to Amy and I as best that he could from what he heard. But uh, Larry Garman, that warrior, Larry shared with me, he said, those men in the tribe, what he was saying was, this is what we once were when you met us. And this is who we are now because of you. See, warriors, they would take drugs to have hallucinations to create a vision, hoping their vision would be one of three particular visions. The first was a warrior. The second would be a hunter. And the third most coveted would be that of a powerful speaker. And in the video, you actually saw all three of them in one person. And Larry said, this is who they were before Jesus. And many of you, when seeing that video, um, you saw hordes of people. Now, I don't know what my wife felt like. We were walking literally through about 250 pastors and their families. And they were, they were singing praise songs to the Lord and shaking Larry's hand. In the video, you saw Paul Jetter kind of lean over to my wife and I and said, this is what happens when you invest 50 years of your life. It almost was like Jesus literally was coming through on the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. People were lining the sides of the road. And I looked at Amy and I said, we don't belong here. This is, we don't, we just don't belong here. We're the, we're the wrong people in the right place at the right time. This is not for us. It was all in praise of the Lord and what investment Larry had given. And I just, I was in tears walking through these people. And I kind of had this glimpse of what the disciples felt like when Jesus was going through on his triumphal entry. It was all about Jesus, but they were experiencing it just the same. And so um, my wife noticed the day after our day, our first day there, this. Uh, you mind sharing a little bit about? So... Like he said, Larry was just constantly on the go, and he was already up and moving. And I'm a pretty early morning person, but he was yes, already out are. and moving pretty early. Yes. And um, when I walked out the door, 
I found, I mean, there's just lines of pastors that were just waiting for him. And they had these slips of paper in their hands. So I said, Larry, what are they um, doing? Like, and he said, they all have projects, like projects for their churches, projects. Um, some of the churches need roofs. Some of the churches need, you know, walls, things walls. like that. Some <laughs> of them want to build a church. And, um, and he said, there's so many needs, so many things that are out there. And um, everywhere we went, um, they would just be waiting for him. And as soon as he got close, they would come up with their, their project papers. And um, it was, yeah. And what he found out in, this, in one of these conversations outside of our door was that there were 16 pastors that were there. at. So this was a pastors and wives retreat conference where they were being trained and he found out that there were 16 pastors and their families that had journeyed a minimum of five days by foot, a maximum of seven days by foot. And these churches were up near the border of Ecuador. And Larry had no inkling that these churches existed that far into the jungle and that far north these pastors and their churches actually began and started because people were hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ, received that message and believed, and then what they did was, well, I have an uncle over here, and I have an aunt over here, and I have, I have friends over here, and they just went, and they shared the gospel of Jesus Christ, and then churches just started sprouting up out of nowhere. And these 16 pastors and their families journeyed seven, five to seven days just for this retreat. And it was much to his amazement that these churches existed at all. And in fact, for the 250 pastors that were there, most of them did not know that this region of churches in the Church of the Nazarene even existed at all. So here we have 16 pastors coming to this retreat. No, many didn't know who they were, and they were being trained at this retreat. And Larry, to his amazement, was like, I don't, I don't, he was just shocked by the fact that these churches existed. Here's the other fact. My wife, and I'll let you speak to this, is that what's really important is that and these are the 16 pastors and, and, and some of their families that had journeyed five to seven days just to get to this retreat to be trained as pastors. And what's amazing about this is that Larry Garman and his wife for 20 years from 1964 to about 1984, 85, felt like they were spinning their wheels. In fact, the people didn't believe that they, they would come back. They had missionaries that had come, stayed for a year or two, and left and never returned. Although they said we would be back. But Larry and Addie, for each furlough, they came back. And they came back. And after about their fourth time, fourth or fifth time, the tribe said, we believe you. 
You're one of us now. And now, seeds begin to get planted even more and more. And these 16 pastors are a result of the work that they did, that other people did, and it just spread like wildfire throughout the region. Lo and behold, a pretty amazing things happen around a, a dinner table. Breakfast, this pastor right here, he's actually, he's actually a professor here at the seminary. At one point, he was a part of Congress in Peru. He served five years in, in Congress in Peru. God got a hold of his heart because he'd, he'd walked away, and now he's a staff member and a professor in the seminary. And many of the Congress, congressmen wanted him to come back and serve on Congress because he was a man of integrity and honesty, and he did his job without corruption. We learned after we found out about the 16 pastors about... 45 minutes later at the breakfast table, all of the pastors that were in there, part of the seminary, the district superintendents, Larry, our friend, Paul, and all these people were starting to talk about these pastors that no one knew who they were. Our friend Paul is having a conversation with this ex-congressman who is now a, st uh, a teacher, and we find out that this ex-congressman has access to a helicopter that goes to this particular region three times a year to drop off supplies because you can't get it by any other means other than by foot. And so Paul is in, in having a breakfast conversation with this congressman about this, this, this helicopter and the 16 pastors and the needs that they have. And here Paul is saying, hey, I need to get your information because I've got churches all the way back in the States that will help out get these churches supplies and things they need and so in a matter of 45 minutes this all blows up and now we have a helicopter that goes to that region three times a year every year unknowingly to anybody else it's amazing how God will line things up if you just let him do it um, with that said we had an opportunity to pray with these 16 pastors and their families and send them off um, with some money, soles. Actually, the soles, one soles is one soul. That's the money that they use. So it's kind of a reminder of one soul, one soul. Make sense? So we sent this, this, this crew off and they came back they had started their journey and they came back because they wanted to give us something of theirs because we gave something of ours. You know what? Scripture talks about the generous man, the generous woman. They prosper. But they also refresh those in which they're generous to. And they themselves are refreshed. These folks had very, very little but they gave us much. In fact, this satchel was something that they, one of the women had, had woven for themselves, and they gave us that off their backs. When we're sitting in the back of the sanctuary, we have to be reminded 
that all of these pastors have the gospel of Jesus Christ because a husband and a wife chose to live intentionally their whole life. And Amy was so impressed. I don't know if you want to share a little bit about the fruit aspect because that really spoke to your heart. I think just for me, I think that, um, you know, you, you do your best to invest, invest, invest. And a lot of times you don't always see the fruit of your investment. And I think the biggest um, thing that spoke to me was just the opportunity to see how 50 years, um, and he didn't know, you know, all of those people that were going to be impacted, but you just keep investing, keep planting seeds, keep watering those seeds, don't give up, it could change a nation, you know. Paul says we have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it's teaching, let him teach. If it's encouraging, let him encourage. If it's contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. You have something that may not have been mentioned here by Paul, the Apostle. But if you have it, use it. It's just our conversation last week. Don't just do nothing. Do something with what you have been given. Do something with what you have. Because you don't know the impact that will happen. You don't know the fruit And Larry was actually able at 85 years old to see the fruit of his life. I hope you invest yourself as much as you possibly can. That's fruit. Folks, unplanted seeds don't produce anything. Unplanted seeds produce nothing. Nothing. But planted seeds, it produces a hundredfold more than you can ever imagine. And so, like I said, pretty amazing things happen around a dinner table, around a breakfast table. This is Eduardo and Nancy, and we're going to start wrapping up here shortly. Eduardo and Nancy, Larry said when he met Nancy, she would be what you guys, what we would call a back hills type of person or a redneck. Yeah. He saw her come up out from the river with big rubber boots on and a massive machete. And uh, he said, but she was the sharpest, smartest person that he ever met she met Aguardo and both of them had come to Christ at some point and they got married Aguardo is now the the um, seminary director and they live in the house that Larry and Addie Garman lived in for at least 25 years of their, their time there in Peru and Aguardo and Nancy um, 
we're hospitable. In fact, um, Nancy and some of the other ladies had prepared wonderful meals for many of the, the pastors, and, and, and Eduardo served alongside his wife. And, and it was this moment right here that if you just live intentionally and look for opportunity and you pray well in advance and then you pray in the moment you might find an opportunity Eduardo and Nancy actually are, are they're high level leaders in fact running the seminary one of the things they decided to do was create a hatchery for fish be able to sell the fish and the funds and the proceeds from the fish would fund the seminary and they had been doing this very successfully for several years now and they saw where their seminary is and it literally is is on a road right there on a crossroad to the river and to the city and they have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of cars and, and trucks and motor taxis that run this road on a daily basis. And so what they had been praying for for a very long time was an opportunity to plant a coffee shop right outside the seminary, right on that road. Because many of the the people who are driving their, their vehicles, they're coming from very late at night and they've been on the road for hours and this is kind of like the midpoint where they need some caffeine. And so they had thought, man, this is a way that one, we can help people, but two, this is a way that we can fund the seminary and three, and most importantly, this is a way that we can actually share the gospel with people because they have to stop their car, they're going to get some coffee, and they had already designed the sleeves of their coffee cups so that these people can see Scripture and understand who they are and what they're about. And while we were sitting there at the table, Amy and I found this out. And uh, I think it was Larry who said, did you know that that Esteban and Ame have a coffee shop in the States. And so we, we, we asked some questions, really brief, and then we looked at each other and, and we said, yeah, this is an opportunity. So we asked how much and they told us. And then I got up from the table because I wanted to capture this moment because these two people have been praying for years and planning for years. It's almost like Nehemiah in the Old Testament. He prayed for at least three to five months before an opportunity before the king arose. And as he was praying, he was planning. And so we were able to share with him, and we say this with all humility, and not, not, it's not about us really isn't we shared in that moment and said you need to quit praying because your coffee shop will happen and we're going to fund your coffee shop 
and now the ministry is, it, it's time to get working. Quit praying, quit dreaming. It's, it's time to make those dreams come to reality. And uh, right here, right in front of the seminary, our seminary in Peru will have a coffee shop probably within the next year funding that seminary and ministering to every individual that stops at that coffee shop and spreading the gospel. Because these two are high-level leaders and they've been praying and planning already for an opportunity. And when the opportunity arose, we didn't know we were supposed to be a part of it. So you're a part of it as well. In the distance, you see this is the seminary. There's a building in the back. This is the pastor's retreat, as I mentioned. Many of these pastors had walked with mattresses on their backs or with only the clothes on their backs. Many of them slept on the floor on mattresses or just on the floor. And as we left the seminary heading to Bagua, we were having a conversation with, with Larry and Paul and said, we're really looking for a project for our VBA ministry, or our VBA penny march. And, uh, well, here it is. This isn't only a place where students get trained. This is a place where pastors are getting trained. And as we're getting ready to do communion here shortly, um, we realized that many of those pastors in that room were actually being trained as we were in session. And so we had asked, hey, how much will it cost and how many beds do you need so that pastors, when they come here to the seminary and get trained and gather and fellowship, what do they need? So essentially, they're needing beds and for, for them to get beds, they need steel. And for them to have beds, they also need mattresses. So what we decided, one of the projects that we're going to do for our VBA Penny March is to provide, whoop, other way, there we go, provide bunk beds for the Theological Seminary of Peru uh, at uh, New Horizons. And it's about two to $3,000. That would be steel, labor, and mattresses. Now, there's a, there's a gap because we're not really sure between two to $3,000 depending on the price of the steel. And so they said conservatively two, possibly three. And I said, you know what? We know our church and we know our VBA Penny March. They'd be glad to do that. And then on top of that, I said, well, that's two to $3,000. I know our church is is a very generous group of people. When they see something that they've captured the vision of, they, they run to it and they do it. And uh, I said, do you, is there something else that's needed? Well, yes. Remember the, the 16 pastors that had walked five to seven days to the retreat? Many of those churches don't have roofs. And so um, these are high-level pastors. They're spreading the gospel like wildfire. So we said, well, we'll do our best to provide a roof. How much is a roof? It's about 3000 So anything above the 3000 from the beds will go directly to a roof for a church in the middle of nowhere that's going to need a helicopter to fly that corrugated steel right into that church. Pretty awesome, if you ask me. Um, and so these are our v VBA pr Penny March projects. 
I want to let you know that this isn't just for the kids. This is for you too. Oh yeah. It's going to get rough and rowdy the next four or five days here at Wapaknaz starting tomorrow night. But also, if you want to join in on that, you can. If you can't be here, you can go online to wapaknaz.org backslash give. There's already an opportunity for you to give for the VBA Penny March. Now they're separated into boys and girls, and I'm pretty sure I put the boys on top instead of yeah, I know. I thought about being dirty, too, and just putting VBA, and it just go to all the boys. Um, so anyhow, I'm not going to do that. Um, so the we're investing in Peru for this, this, this summer. This isn't the first time that we've invested in Peru. Um, we invested in Peru by, having, by purchasing Pecky Pecky Boats. That was probably one of our first projects here. So those pecky pecky boats can go up and down the Amazon and minister. Those pastors can go up and down. And so we're about to, uh, to embark on our communion. And um, when we were there um, at the retreat, we, we, we actually had communion with, with all the pastors and their wives and um, they had they had some type of tropical juice that they had made for representing the blood, and then they had they had the wafer. But communion, and it's not going to take that long, by the way, here today. But it it literally took about twenty or thirty minutes before we even were able to get served, because what they were doing is that they were training the pastors how to serve communion. Many of them had not seen how to serve communion. Some of them had. And so today we're going to simply serve you communion and do it on a very simple level. So if you've been around the church a long time, you may know this, but if you've not been around the church in a long time, as we go to communion and, and, and eat the, the Eucharist, we're going to eat a wafer and drink some really bitter grape juice. Those two are symbols of Jesus Christ on the cross. His body and His blood that He chose to give that you may have life. And out of His body and because of His blood, we have the forgiveness of sins. And so today, as you take communion and we do it together, I want to remind you of the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made. Not that you may sit in comfort, but that you may have eternal life and that you are a carrier of that message to wherever you go, to whomever you speak to. So I'm going to ask that when we, we serve, we're going we're gonna to stand here and we're going to ask you to come down the center aisles and then circulate back there. If you're unable to come down, that's okay. We'll let everybody come down and then we'll come to you directly and serve you. And then we will take communion together.
Thank you for listening to the Wapaknas podcast. We hope you are moved deeply to step into God and the hope and future he has for you, and that you are moved to be salt, light, and yeast in your community and to love people to Jesus.